Hi, this is Lady T for another Excuse You Moment podcast episode. I wanted to come back to you and kind of give you a part two of Heart of Hearing. I've been thinking about um, so many things pertaining to listening and being heard. And uh, had a lot of positive feedback from that podcast. And as a result, I wanted to come back to you and just share uh, further. When we speak, we want to be heard. And we don't want to be heard by a matter of just um, for the sake of, you know, saying I heard you. As I shared before, if you really listen to someone, uh, there's usually um, there's some action around that, whether it involves all of you, uh, your head, your heart and response to obedience. But I want to, you know, kind of another layer to that is, you know, we listen from our own bias, our own experiences. We listen and we respond, um, you know, internally and even analytically um, by um, our, our, how we view, how we experience life. And we bring that to every conversation. We bring that to every dialogue. We bring that to every um, exchange of information when we listen. You think about it. You know, you could ask one person the same question, right? Or you can share information with a group of people. And everybody will respond differently about what they heard. And people, I mean, it's amazing, right? You know, we always say it's his side, her side, and then there's the truth, right? Um, And, you know, I've done an exercise before. Many of you may have well, may have as well, where you, um, it's like a room full of people. And, you know, you start the conversation, you start whispering or telling somebody something. And the goal is to have that information relayed through five or six people or however many people are in the room. And so the message generally starts off with, you know, a person telling someone something in their ear, you know, and then it's so on and so on and so on and so on. And it's usually a great example of how rumors get spread and how messages get interpreted. But it's also a clear lesson how we how we hear and how we listen. Right. And depending on someone's experience of you, experience that may mirror um, somebody else's um, experience or something that a way they may have grew up, a bias or the environment or culture. We listen with so many different um, layers. And that's why a lot of times messages get, you know, jarbled up and misconstrued. And, you know, I'll use my husband, myself as example. You know, I could say something to him. We could be having a disagreement. And it's like he hears something totally different. And it's like I and it's like sometimes I wish I had a recorder to play back what I said. Right. It's (laughs) like. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you could be having a discussion with your spouse or, or and uh, all your children. And um, they're like, that's not what I said. It's like that is exactly what you said. Right. But in the moment, 
because one party is trying to get their point across to the other party, you don't even remember what you said because your goal and intent is to win the win the win the disagreement to convince the other person that you're right and they're wrong, and so you you don't even come to it with the whole um, agenda and end goal of listening. Uh, because the person that always comes to you know raise the conversation wants to be heard. But I also found out that we listen best when we are at ease, when we're not defensive, when we're relaxed, when we feel disarmed, right? I mean, I, again, I think about, you know, marriage. You know, a lot of times my husband hears me best when we are in, you know, there's no outside influences. We're not in a disagreement. There's harmony between us. There's unity between us. We're in a good space, you know, and, you know, the things I really want to share or get in a conversation with him about or want him to really hear me um, is best when we're just, you know, in a generic um, place, meaning there's no fanfare, there's no fluff. We're just enjoying each other, you know, and then it's like, well, you know, I want to talk about this. And it's like, you know, then then I can honestly say he hears me. You know, and he hears me not just audibly, but he hears my heart. He hears my my cry without even crying. He he hears the intent and the motive and what I'm trying to convey without trying to respond or give an analytical, um, you know, discourse or trying to debate it. It's like okay, okay, and it's 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 amazing. And I had to learn through many years of marriage. You know, learning when to when to when to share things and when to have discussions and when to um pick the best times and places right because you think about it you can't have these major conversations and you can't be heard you know in every environment you know there's certain people you don't want around your family members or you don't run around your spouse because you know if you share something with them just the energy of those other people will you know lend itself and 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 almost like a cheerleading squad or a um, dog pound and you know it can really alter their response you think about it that's why when teams play and they're in different cities and you know anything that happens you know the crowd the noise you know the fact that they're being heard you know it, it it can intimidate it can get you off of your game Right. So listening is really a technique and art where I can hear you audibly, but I have to learn how to tune you out too. I can't allow you to affect my game, affect my thought process. It is takes a skilled competitor to be in uh, uh, the enemy's environment and still perform excellent. Because you have booze, you have cheers, you have jeers, you have commentary, you know, all manner of things. And, you know, and there have been some professional athletes that have responded, you know, obviously being called racial slurs or calling out of your name and, you know, all kinds of things can provoke anybody, you know, to to give a negative response. But it takes a lot to um, really command your soul and command your mind and discipline yourself to hear it and not hear it. Right. And I mean, as wise, you know, that's an art too to hear stuff and not hear it. Like, I don't have to respond to everything just because you heard it. Don't mean you have to respond. Sometimes silence is the best response. You know, sometimes you always every time something is said doesn't mean you have to respond. Listening sometimes requires you digesting. 
listening, you know, requires you to just take a moment and regurgitate what was said, sit in it for a minute, think about it, process it, and come back with a response later. It doesn't always warrant an immediate response because sometimes that immediate response is not right. You know, it's, it's kind of knee jerk. And it's like, you know, you respond in your flesh, you respond in your emotions. And now you cause a bigger, a bigger chasm between you and that individual because you were so busy responding instead of listening. I mean, you think about our world as a whole. We're, we're just, you know, we're in the throes. I mean, we're countdown days away from the presidential election. And it's like, you know, you have the both parties and they just, you know, their messages, their platform is all about listen, listen to my side, listen to my side, listen to what I have to offer, listen to what I have to offer, you know, and, and they're speaking and they're crisscrossing the country, you know, going to the particular states that they need to win those electoral votes because they know that in their speaking People are listening and hanging on that every word. Now, whether, you know, we believe what they say or not, but they know they have to be heard. You cannot not say anything. And what you say, this is so crucial because what you say, people are hearing, they're recording, they're they're storing it, stuffing it away and locking it in the inventory of their mind. Right. And the file cabinet of their mind. And sometimes, especially women, we are like. I'm telling you, we could recall something, pull it out of the cabinet of our minds, book. I mean, we could book that thing, chapter, book and chapter and verse. No, you said this on this day because I said this and you said that. And it's so important. Another lesson, you just can't talk or willy nilly. You just can't say whatever. Study to be quiet, the scripture says at times. You got to learn how sometimes just to be quiet and think before you speak and understand that what you say has power in life and it takes on a life of its own and you just can't randomly just, you know, throw out commentary and, you know, people like to respond just for the sake of speaking. Sometimes it's just learn to shut up. Everything is not necessary to say because you feel it and think it don't mean it got to come out. Who is it helping? Who is it blessing? Who? What is it advancing? What is it watering? What fruit is going to come of it? If we would study sometimes to be quiet and think about what we want to say and, you know, ponder on that. It's just like those emails. You ever been in a situation, whether in a professional environment or even personal, and someone sent you an email and, they, you know, or you saw something and you wanted to respond and you, you know, you type in a way you go in in with your response only for you to be arrested and go okay I'm, I'm not gonna hit send because I know this is gonna be and this is it can get this can get real crazy so you know what you know let me just delete this let me you know I've had to literally get up walk away and kind of talk it out amongst myself like just you know because if we would talk to ourselves just for a little bit you know talk to God for a little bit and just process things and you know take the high road and just say you know okay all right. I know they came at me and that was really shady. And I know what they said was was intended to provoke, you know, a rise out of me. But OK, let me. How am I going to handle this? How am I going to handle this? You know, how, how do I handle this in the most diplomatic manner where as to bring resolve and not to incite? the situation further a lot of times we just you know we just want to read people we just we just want to you come on let's be honest sometimes we just want to read the people to let them know okay first of all this is this is this is the brooklyn first of all all right let me get you together and it's like no that's not that's not what we're trying to do 
Even though they may feel that they've, you know, read you and threw all the shade they could throw and, you know, left you feeling some type of way. At the end of the day, it's we're going to be judged by not what other people do, but how we respond. What was my response and what was the mode of my, my response? What was the intent of that? And it takes a grown person, I'm talking about a mature person, to really, you know, even if it revolves, involves correcting an individual, it takes a real mature, spiritually mature, you know, mentally and emotionally mature person to understand and dissect something. And at the end of the day, say, okay, how, what, how do I want this to end up? Do I want this to cost me a relationship? I mean, come on, like, is the end result to just really leave a salty taste in somebody else's mouth, a negative, like, what, what, what are we doing? We just exchanging information to show you how smart I am, to show you how crafty I am, to show, you know, like, what is this exchange about? Is it, is it, is it? what like are we subtracting are we adding here are we adding value are we taking away are we dividing like what's going on and I think if we took a more um intentional approach about listening and being heard you know we would be careful about the words that we speak to other people and and even more um careful about how we respond because you you know you don't get a lot of chances and even in and, and what I mean by that is that, you know, the wrong response, it takes more work to fix, to undo that. Right. It takes more work, especially in, in relationships with spouses and families and parents and siblings. You know, it's like the one wrong thing could be, you know, it's like takes on a life of its own. And you got to go back and unpack it and I'm sorry and I'm doing it. And it's just kind of like if you would just pick and choose your words and your timing and your tones. You won't have all this cleanup. You won't have to be the cleanup woman. You know, and it's 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 true. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And sometimes we can say the right thing. What we're saying is right, but the, pe- the person, you know, may have heard it and interpreted it because of our tone, right? Tenor of our voice. Like, you know, and then we hide behind ignorance. Like, well, when I say like this, it's the truth. Yeah, but that was nasty. That was a dish of nasty you just gave out. Like, I can't even chew on that because I don't care how, how true it is. It was just nasty. It was vicious. It was vile. It was, I'm wounded now. And I've had to learn to evolve from a place of correction um, and rebuke, and, and, and but, but slathering that in some love and compassion, right? Because at the end, I, I'm not trying to destroy you. Right. The, the end is not a, just to build you, even in correction is to build you all through scripture. We find Jesus bringing correction. We see God bringing correction. And even though it may have been bitter going down, it was good for us when we, you know, in our belly. Because it provoked us to think. Wouldn't it be more beneficial to share something with someone and um, walk away in peace? And have that person just think about it because it was meaningful. It added value. They understood your heart. And, not, and, and you came from a place of your heart and not your head. 
I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You think about the gospel message, you know, when you want to share Christ with somebody and let them know he really loves you. He's concerned about you. Listen, first, I need to know that he can. You can't come at me and just condemn and damn me to hell. I don't, you know, I'm already feeling some type of way. I'm already feeling some type of way. Now I don't even hear what you're saying. Now I'm ready to debate and combat, be combative. I'm just confrontational because you coming at me crazy. But it's with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And so listening is, it's a, it's a technique, it's an art. You know, we, we were taught as married couples an exercise called mirroring. And uh, basically, you know, you sit down with your spouse face to face and you get the opportunity and the rules are laid out. The person that has an issue or grievance gets to share completely, totally uninterrupted. And you do not um, supposed to respond in any manner except like what I heard you say was. And is that all? Because you're giving that person the liberty to express how they feel without being judged, without being, you know, without a rebuttal, without, you know, correction. And you think about it. How many times do we do that? Give the other person the opportunity to say what they say, not pick it apart, not tear it down, not correct it, but just listen. And then the the, the exercise, what I love about it is so um It's so beautiful because you then in turn have to say what I heard you say was. And it's a learning exercise because you'd be surprised how many times spouses, that's not what the other person said, right? It's like, no, that's not, that's nothing what I said. So that lets you know that they heard differently. And most time they heard according to their biases, their issues, their defenses, their experiences, right? We bring all that. We could even employ, employ critical thinking because we're so busy trying to prepare our response. And so mirroring is a technique where you are learning to really say back what that individual said. And you have to listen on purpose. That's not easy, y'all. It's not easy. I can't tell you how many times as a leader I've shared things with people and um, people walk away offended. And it's like, that's not what I said. And it's totality, right? You know, you could say, I want y'all all to be here at six o'clock. And if you have to work, I understand. But for all those that do not have to work, you are expected, you know, your attendance is mandatory. Somebody will come back and say, well, I was offended because I had to work and I don't. And it's like I said that I'm just using that as an example really loosely. But it's amazing. People hear what they want to hear based on, you know, their emotional intelligence, their maturity, again, their experiences, their woundedness. And it's it's very difficult to get a large number of people to listen, you know, and hear the same thing. You could preach one of the same message on a Sunday or teach a Bible study lesson on Tuesday or, you know, give a speech, a lecture somewhere. And people walk away with different interpretations of what was said and how it impacted them, how it's, you know, going to change them or what the, it's a call to action for one to another. It may be, you know, inspiration. It is amazing. It's amazing. And we wonder why we have such a breakdown in communication. It's because it's not just communication. It's the connection. 
I mean, you could talk to me all day. I can hear you. But if I'm not connecting with what you're saying, then you just there was some air that came out of your mouth that made words. Come on. Right. Somebody could talk for a whole hour and the person would be like, did you hear what I said? And it's like, yeah, what did I say? I, well, you know, they really they wasn't listening. So it's not just communication. It's it's connecting with what you're saying, the person to connect with what you're saying so that they feel you feel you enough that they care about you. That whatever whatever caused the disconnect, the fragment, the breakdown in the relationship, the breakdown of communication needs to be connected so that now we can be one again and that we can solve this problem. We could move from here. And that's real. You know, it happens in the workplace with managers and, you know, associates and, you know, business deals. How many business deals have come undone because there was a breach in communication? There was a lack of connection. Listen, I understand. I am a fan of texting. I'm a fan of email. But let me tell you, they both can take on lives of their own. And it's nothing like picking up a phone, looking at someone face to face, especially I, I said I recommend that when you're having when you see things going awry. Don't continue down that path. Pick up the phone, schedule a meeting, meet with them, because that face to face, that tone in your voice, your body language speaks so much more than words on a on a, on a computer or you know, verbiage on a screen. It takes a life of its own. People start hearing your voice and they start hearing, you know, it, it just takes on a life of its own. And if you really want to follow peace with all men and you really want to be heard with the intent of being understood. Think about what you're going to say. And if all possible, try to make sure that you're connecting with your audience. Look at them in the eye. Share with them from the heart. No one wants to be talked at. Share with them from the heart. I'm learning as a parent. You know, I'm still learning. My oldest is 25 and my youngest is 7. I'm still learning how not to talk to and talk at my children. Because now they're young adults. They're no longer children. Except the 7-year-old, I have to learn every day how to connect with you. How to connect with them so that they hear me. Right? And I'm not just, this is some air that form words that come out of my mouth. But did you hear what I said? Do you hear my, do you hear my heart? Am I expressing myself right? I have to adjust and alter that. So we're ever changing. Listening and being heard, it has to change. You have to alter it for your audience. You have to alter it, um, you know, in the environment, you know, and Rome do as Romans do. You can't have, you can't speak and you can't listen the same way everywhere. Right? You got to know when I'm with my homegirls, we have a different language. Right? So I know if they say something, it means something different to us. Right? My culture, we speak differently in African-American culture. You know, I understand what that means. Everybody doesn't understand that. So I can't speak that way with everybody professional environments you can't speak and you have to listen differently so you have to evaluate you know the environment you're in the audiences the times right people are most perceptive to hearing you know in the morning or mid-morning but afternoon and late evening people kind of already their brains are already you know starting to migrate towards other things 
their own personal issues and challenges and expectations. And so we got a lot of work to do when it comes to listening and being heard. Um, you know, the speaker and the and the listener. We have a lot to do um, as a nation, as a body of Christ, as families, as friends, you know, in the marketplace, even our differences. We got to learn to hear each other, even through our differences, you know, and not be so ready to respond and pull you, persuade you to my way of thinking. You know, we have a Black Lives Matter sign in our home and our neighbor is a staunch Trump supporter. And it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, you know, I would be lying if I didn't be like, hmm, okay, that's how we moving. But, you know, listen, that's, that's what freedom gives you a right to believe and support who you want to support. But if you really want to hear me and I want to hear you, hey, why, why do you, you know, why do you support him? And why, what is Black Lives Matter about? It's when we have those conversations where we really come to the table to understand. Uh, I may still disagree with you, you know, but I want to hear what you have to say. I'm, in, I'm interested in your views and your values and how you, you know, what substantiates and, you know, what, what's that about? Because I could walk away enlightened. You know, or I may walk away the same way I came, but that's what we have to learn, to disagree amicably. You know what I'm saying? And part ways to not have this venom and this vitriol towards one another. It's terrible. I see believers and pastors and families being torn apart just as a result of what people hear, what they believe and their views. I mean, come on, y'all. It is, it's, it's amazing how we're all doing the same thing. We all want liberty and freedom and justice for all, but as soon as what we believe and feel is different from the other, we automatically put the walls up to stay out, keep back, no trespassing, right? I'm cutting you off. I mean, I've seen people cut off friends and families, years of relationships, you know, because somebody you know, a black person supports Trump. I mean, that's their business. I mean, real talk, is your relationship and love for them deeper than that? I get it. It's offensive. But, I mean, at the end of the day, these four or eight years or whatever, how long it's going to be, does not make up the total sum of my relationship with you as a person. I mean, you have made, you, you know, if you've been a blessing to me and I've been a blessing to you and you've proven to be a friend... I'm not willing to sacrifice that. I'm not willing to, to, to cancel you out. And we got to be real careful. We got to be real careful that we don't allow the, the, the divisive um, antics, tactics, the myopic views of one party or people to determine and shape our, our destiny and our future. We are the believers. We are the called out. We are the ones that are supposed to make decisions right and come together and listen and reason but you know we're not careful we're looking like it sounding like just like everybody else it's a call to arms but not in the way that you think it is you know we, we, we're hard of hearing and hard of hearing of what the word is saying we're hard of hearing what god is saying we're hard of hearing what the spirit is saying to the church in this hour you know we're so busy trying to be heard it's basically speaking that we don't take the time to even listen to God. What is he saying? 
What is he? What are you saying, God? What are you requiring of me? Could it be we don't know how to listen to other people because we don't know how to be still and listen to God, even when it's things that we don't want to hear about ourselves? Sometimes we're so busy because we don't want to hear what God has to say. Much less our spouse, much less our parent, much less our children, much much less our best friend, people that know us the best, much less our pastor, much less our leader, much less, you know, those that encounter us and know us. We won't even listen to what God is saying to us through his word, through his prophets, through Holy Spirit. We won't even listen. We won't even listen. How do I know we're not listening? Because we won't repent. We won't repent. We're still trying to find loopholes and, and ways to slip and dip and dodge and, you know, find things to work out in our favor because we won't listen. Because we won't obey. Listening is very submissive. Oh, it is. You're putting yourself up under. You are willingly, humbly submitting yourself to um, the, the other person, the authority of that time, if you will. Right? Do you know how hard it is to listen to someone who's saying things that you know are not right or you have a strong defense against? It is difficult. It is difficult. I mean, it's the same tactic that the enemy's been using from Genesis coming to Eve, getting in her ear, telling her stuff. Did God really say that you know if you eat this, you really gonna die? You sure you know what I mean? Come on, he must have put the real, he must have finessed that whole conversation. And she was like, Well, you know, I don't wanna be really he's surely gonna die, but you know, he you know, he he might be like him. I mean, that whole you know, I mean you think about it as a female, right? Why do you think a lot of relationships, um, well, from a female standpoint, fall prey, um, to conversation because you know we like to hear we like to speak so someone that listens to us someone that talks to us you gain interest into our heart so we talk to our girlfriends and you know we we have conversations they're in depth and we try to garner a response from our spouse like did you hear me what do you have to say well what are your thoughts you know we, we we need that engagement we need that connection and so when, when, that, when we're not getting that, we, we're looking for it. We're seeking it out. It's, we seek it out. Right? And if you seek it out the wrong way, the wrong, <laughs> in the wrong place, you find yourself in a compromising situation. Even if it's not physically, your heart could be somewhere else. How many women you find relationships, pen pals with, you know, prisoners or and listen let me just put this disclaimer out there I have no problem I know people who have married prisoners and have been blessed the more I mean seriously it's just a small percentage but I'm by no means brushing all um ex-cons or those in prison with a broad stroke because I have family members who've been in jail and some still in jail and they are good people so please do not you know misconstrue what I'm saying but how many women have given their careers Fallen prey to fall in love with inmates, risking their whole career, their pension, their future, their livelihood, because some guy got into her, you know, got her ear, and then as a result of getting her ear, got her, got her heart and got her head. 
Come on. So women, we have to guard even more, you know, who we who we listen to and who listens to us. Right? Same thing with men. It's just, you know, women, how come you think women can come along and build up their ego because of what they say? They don't have to mean it. What do you think the, the what is that sex hotline and prostitution is so high because they tell they stroke the men's ego tell them what they want to hear oh you're so smart you're so strong wow i understand i sympathize don't care but i'm telling you what you want to hear it lets us know that you know being heard and listening is powerful it is super powerful you know we've mispainted delilah as this huzzy slut butt but Really, she finessed Samson because she spoke to she spoke to that part of him um, that no one else had, and she listened to him when no one else did. Come on, she tapped into something that was deeper, that was not was not it was not physical. It wasn't the sex. He laid his head in her lap because he felt safe. Their conversations, their time together was valuable no matter how deceptive it was right you got to be careful you can't be hard of hearing because it could cost you your life it could cost your people their, their future it could cost uh, your children your legacy it could cost everything we can't afford to be hard of hearing it costs too much y'all it costs your sanity it can cost you your peace it can cost you your joy it can cost you your freedom. It definitely can. It definitely can. Why do you think counselors and therapists on um, is on a rise? People want to be heard. They need somebody to listen to them objectively. Objectively. They need someone not to um, inject their biased or venomous you know or um, you know just immature views or way of thinking onto them right and um, you know I'm not saying every therapist and counselor is the answer but in this during this season of pandemic people really are finding out that a lot of the busyness that, that that absorbed their time and their efforts have dwindled and as a result all the issues they ran from or things they ran into now they're having to unpack and now they're trying to figure out what what is going on with me what why am I doing why am I behaving why is this so hard for me because all the things that were going on in me, I drowned them out. I didn't listen to my own self, right? We didn't listen to our own selves. Our body could be saying, you need rest. We don't listen. We keep pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves till we have our body shut down and be laid up somewhere. Your children are saying, hey, I want some time. Spend some time, spend some time. We don't listen to them until they get older and they don't want to have nothing to do with us. We just don't listen. We don't listen. And then when we finally, when our ears finally become unplugged, sometimes it's too late, y'all. Sometimes it's too late. Your body is telling you, you, you're putting too much weight. You're putting too, too much strain on me. And we just keep on eating. There's one more piece of cake. Just as one more chicken wing. 
Yo, we don't listen. We, we don't listen. Your body's saying, you know what, well, I'm not feeling well. You, 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 you smoking too much. You drinking too much. You don't feel that? You don't feel that tightening of your chest? You don't feel those lightheaded, that fainted lightheadedness? You don't feel that dizziness? Be shake it off and just keep on going. Something's not right. Something, your body's been, you've been dealing with a cough, you've been dealing with a pain for months and years, and you just don't listen. You don't listen. Like, ignoring it is not going to make it go away. People employ that tactic, too. They just ignore. I heard you, but I'm going to act like I, I didn't hear you because it's too painful to address. I'm, if I ignore you, it, it, what you said did, it's not true. <laughs> you know? How many marriages are destroyed because spouses are trying to communicate? I'm unhappy. Spouses try to communicate. I, and I guess this, you know, Lord keeps leading me this way towards spouses. You know, you're listening to your spouses coming to you and telling the other one, I'm not happy. I'm unhappy. You know, we need to work on this. You know, I need this from you. So on and so forth. And, you know, okay, all right. And then there's no change. And then when you come home and the house is empty. You got a Dear John letter. It's like, oh my God, they left me. Oh my God, I can't believe he did that to me or she did that to me. And I'm not saying one's right or what's wrong, but I'm just saying this didn't happen. They didn't just leave. They've been telling you for years. They're tired. They've been telling you for years something's got to change. They've been telling you for years what they need and what they want from you. And you just ignored it as if their needs were going to change. And so they helped you out and they changed locations. <laughs> Listen, this is real. This is real. We've got to learn how to Listen to connect to bring resolve and not ignore listen you could you know some people all their life all they learn to do is just ignore suppress what they feel and they thought because that was their survival that's all they had because as a child they had no power and control so they learned to that was a coping mechanism but you've carried that into your adulthood and you don't even know how to address situations you just stuff them down because you, you, you've not learned any other tools in how to manage your emotions and your pain. And so you, what you did at 7, you're doing at 47. What you learned at 5, you're doing it at 55. And you're wondering around relationships are compromised. You can't get ahead. Everything around you is jeopardized. And you, you, you've never grown up emotionally. You've never learned to discipline your hearing and your listening. And connection. And amazingly, your ears, you know, are the only parts of your body. Well, not going to say only, but one of the parts of your body that as you get older, get bigger. Huh, isn't that something? If our listening and being heard techniques grew with the size of our ears. We would be something bad and powerful. Yeah, your ears get larger. Because your body, as you think about it, as you age and old and you lose, you, you, your body uh, frame gets smaller and bones and things like that. You know, you lose your structure, start shrinking as people get older. You know, the cartilage in your ears, you know, they start appearing. They, they, I mean, not only do they continue to grow, but they also are a lot larger in comparison to your body now. They're still growing, but your body's shrinking. 
And then you have some older people, if you really talk to them, that is true of their wisdom. You sit with some, you ever met somebody that just was like, they would sit on their porch and that grandma or that grandfather or that uncle who's just ripe with wisdom. They've had generations and they've witnessed and they've heard generations of things come and go, changes. And they've learned to weather times and trials and tests and times of having plenty and times of having little and deaths and births and marriages, divorces and gentrification and slavery. I mean, oppression and wars and I mean, just a wealth of life that they've lived. If you ever sit, I mean, I love to talk to older people. The things that they share, the wisdom that they drop. I'm talking about people that don't have maybe more than a sixth grade education. But they've learned to absorb by way of listening so much. that now they're dripping, their mouths drip with wisdom, drip with counsel. Because in all their years, not only did they observe, but they've learned and they learn to hear. They could step out on the day and just listen. I, I hear, I hear, I hear it. I hear something's coming. And I ain't talking about audible. I'm talking about they can hear in their spirit. For those of you who saw the movie Harriet, she was really careful to hear for the voice of the Lord. And I mean, you know, she's carrying, leading slaves to freedom with no GPS, no ways, no compass. Just following by memory and the voice of the Lord and willing to change on a dime. In the midst of being hunted down, she would stop and just like, come on, they come in, Harry, get up. And she's like, I got to hear what the Lord is saying. Oh, that we get to a place where we would really pause and, and be willing to change the trajectory of our lives at the voice of the command of God. We were purposed and planned to take this route, but God said, no, go this way. Everybody else is going, you're going to kill us. You go like, no, this is, this is what the Lord is saying. And so I'm acting out in faith and obedience to what he said. And as a result, her testimony was, God's with her. Yeah, let me tell you, God's with her. Go with her. Because it's like you're going with God. They called her the, the, a Moses. Moses. Because she was leading the people to the promised land out of slavery into freedom. And so if you get nothing else out of what I'm saying is that don't be hard of hearing because it can cost you. Take some time to learn how to listen, to connect, listen without um, trying to respond, but listen not just with your ears, but with your heart, with your spirit. Listen to be the answer to someone. Listen that peace may abound. Listen that you would leave somebody off better than when they encountered you. When they, I mean, better than when they came to you. That when they depart from your presence, it was good for them to have been with you. What a testimony that would be. I love coming to your presence because I feel heard. I heard. What, what a beautiful thing to be known for. Not, you know, we, we, we glamorize and we trophy so many other things. But it to be known to be someone that listens and hears people and sees people, not just with your eyes and your ears, but to see them. People just want to be seen. They talk and they want to be heard. But really, what does that mean being heard? I want you to see me. 
because my words give life to who I am. My words are the definition of who I am. So see me, even a fool, when they talk long enough, you know you a fool, I see you as a fool. Right? So people talk and they communicate because they want you to know them. They want you to see them. But we're so hard of hearing. We're so hard of hearing. Would you for me ask God to help you to listen? First, listen for his voice. God's been calling you and telling you you need to accept him as your Lord and Savior for years. And sometimes you respond by going to church but not giving him your life. Sometimes you respond by turning on, you know, the church channel and watching the message and you feel good, but you haven't given him your life. God has been telling you to put down the drugs and put down the alcohol and you've cut back, but you've not given it up. He's told you to stop lying, stop cheating and stop being a manipulator. Stop causing so much confusion. Stop being so hellish and unforgiving. And we momentarily make a change, but we don't give it up. And we, we, Would you listen? Would you listen to him? Because if you listen to him, you'll learn to listen to other people. Listen to those that usually, more, more times than not, have your best interests at heart. I'm not talking to listen to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, every foolish person. You know where I'm coming from. Listen to those that have some equity in your life. Come on. You know what they're saying is right. Stop fighting all the time. Because God could be using them to speak through. Because you ain't listening to him. So sometimes he'll use your children. Sometimes he'll use your co-worker. Sometimes he'll use your mother. Use your father. Use your sister. Your brother. Your cousin. Your best friend. Your spouse. Use your pastor. He'll use people in your life. Because you ain't listening to him. Maybe you'll listen to them. They right in your face. Come on. Let's stop being so so self-serving. Stop being so consumed with ourselves and such denial that we really listen listen so we can change change that we could bring impact and resolve to someone some things somewhere this is Lady T for another excuse you moment until next time be well